Welcome, everybody, to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. It is great, as always, to be with you. Um, not sure when this will drop, but probably I'm out in the field, maybe New Mexico or Montana, hunting elk. And so uh, definitely keep me in your prayers and your thoughts. Um, hoping to fill some elk tags this year and really looking forward to that. I uh, hope you guys are having a great season. Hope you had a great September. Uh, whether you're going out for deer, elk, whatever you got going, I hope you guys are enjoying, having a great time, being safe, and uh, doing what we love to do. So this week I have a really, really interesting conversation with Robbie Kroger from Blood Origins. And, um, you know, he's been on quite a few podcasts, but I think we sort of hit it from a different angle. And then we actually, like, kind of get into a little bit of a debate, <laughs> which is great. Now, it was all, like, in, in good, uh, you know, it was a good, really good conversation. Um, you know, I he pushed back on me in a couple of things. I pushed back on him on a couple of things. Um, it's an interesting conversation. It's uh, a real conversation, and it's a good conversation. And, um, you know, Blood Origins is an organization that's representing the truth around hunting and why we hunt. And, you know, they're going after that 80% of folks in the middle. You know, you've got your 10% who are anti and never going to have anything to do with hunting and hate you and whatever. Then you got 10% of hunters. Most people lie in that 80% region in the middle that could be swayed either way with, you know, logical, loving arguments and, you know, discussions and conversations. And we need guys like Robbie and Blood Origins to you know, who are willing to engage the non-hunters and even engage the anti-hunters, you know, um, and be that voice for truth in the space and not get emotional and not, you know, uh, freak out or whatever. So, uh, it's a really cool podcast, great conversation. Um, Blood Origins is doing some great things to help conserve the rights of hunters. And, um, you know, as you might hear in this conversation, you know, me and Robbie probably fall a little bit different along the lines of some semantics and how we look at things and but that's fine like that's good and we like i said we need guys like robbie in the space talking to folks um who aren't hunters so it's a great conversation uh, i appreciate robbie and blood origins and what they're doing um if you'd like to support them check them out just you can search blood origins uh and the information is kind of given at the end of the podcast where you can support what they're doing. It's important work. Um, one, way, one way or another, if you're a hunter, you need to be involved in conservation, whether that's joining the Mule Deer Foundation, you know, um, supporting uh, things like Blood Origin. Um, you know, it's uh, the antis are a very organized, consorted group, and they are working to take away our rights. So we need to kind of work together as hunters to display the truth and and why we actually hunt and um and kind of sway the folks in the middle so anyway that's enough rambling from me uh i want to thank my partners out there onyx hunt loophole optics seekins precision barnes bullets mountain ops um thank you guys for your support um if you need to pick up some supplements or some gear go to mountain ops use that code quest you will save 20 percent and you'll be supporting me. So if you like what I'm doing, please do that. Please also go to my YouTube channel. If you haven't seen it yet, the Mule Deer Hunt Backcountry DIY, Public Land, all that good stuff. <laughs> deer Hunt that me and Luke Duesenberry did together. Gosh, I keep messing up his name. Um, we I just put that on my YouTube recently. 
so we both shot our first ever mule deer bucks um, on a really tough hunt that I planned and e-scouted all from Virginia. Um, it's a cool film. It's our first mule deer ever. We worked hard for them. Uh, they're not giants, but we were proud of them. And so it's a cool film. I hope you guys like it. Um, I got more coming out um, in the weeks ahead, including a Mexico coos deer hunt, um, this Montana mule deer hunt where I was able to hold out for a mature deer and get a nice buck on that one. And um, also, you know, if you got Sportsman Channel, please check out the show, which airs Mondays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern and Saturdays at noon Eastern. Some great episodes coming down the line on there. And then, um, you know, after they've kind of run their course on TV, then I'll start trickling out producers' cuts of the uh, episodes on YouTube, but the first and best place you can check them out is on Sportsman Channel. Um, and so, hope you guys enjoy. Uh, please go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel. That means a lot. Honestly, if there's one thing you could do for me to help me out that costs you no money at all, is just go subscribe to my YouTube channel. The more subscribers I have there, it's just easier to continue doing what I'm doing. Uh, also, leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'd really appreciate that. But really, if there's anything you can do, just go subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's the biggest help you can do for me right now. And use that code QUEST at Mountain Ops. I know you guys, a lot of you use their products. I use their products, obviously have for years. Um, and, you know, there's multiple different codes you could be using. But I'd appreciate your support. So that's enough for me. Thanks again, guys. Enjoy the rest of your hunting season. Enjoy this podcast. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys in the next one. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. Today, I am joined by Robbie Kroger from Blood Origins. How you doing, man? Good, man. Good. Humbled to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh yeah, yeah, man. Glad to glad to have you, dude. Um, I think you're the first South African <laughs> guest I've ever had. <laughs> well, it probably won't be the last. You, there's lots of South Africans everywhere, uh, all throughout. You just any little small town in America, you'll find a South African. So it's oh, yeah. a little secret plan of ours that we're slowly taking <laughs> over the world. Yeah, I've so. had a couple South African friends, um, and I've been fortunate to travel a lot through the world, but I have not been to South Africa yet, although I would really love to. Oh, it's an amazing, amazing country. There's obviously a, a little bit of crime, and but that's in the big cities. and Yeah. Um, but the, the landscape is amazing. The wildlife's amazing. The people are amazing. Mm. People are friendly and just good, good people that love to work hard, um, but also like to play hard, too. When yeah. Opportunities. So. Do you go back a lot, or? Um, I, 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 not really. But now that I've taken Blood Origins on full time, oh nice. Um, I'm almost finding myself in South Africa, um, on an annual basis. Okay. Um, and may even be like twice, uh, twice a year back there. Um. Okay. It's just a lot of, you know, South Africa is a is a almost jumping off point for people if they're interested in going to Africa to hunt. South mm -hmm. Africa is the the place to do it. Um, there's just a lot of good things happening in hunting in South Africa that a lot of people haven't really showcased. Um, so we we were there, there like two and a half years ago. Last year I was there for in, and I'll go back this year in November December timeframe. All of the professional hunters associations 
down there, do their annual general meetings, their AGMs around November, December timeframe. It's okay. almost the same way as like, you know, Muldia have, their, you know, Muldia, I don't know if you know the Muldia Foundation itself, like the big foundation has a meeting. Yes, the Western Hunt Expo is actually the Muldia Foundation. Yeah, but is that there at like... I don't know if they have their AGM then or whatnot. Oh, like, yeah, I don't know no. when they have their big meeting. But anyway, it's just like that. RMEF, okay. whenever if RMEF was going to do a big meeting, you know, that's what that's what we go to South Africa for. So yeah, I get gotcha. to go a little bit more nowadays and um, see some buddies and friends that I don't often get to see. Only chat through WhatsApp. So um, yeah. So yeah. you're full time in Blood Origins, huh? Yeah, we started full time in January. Um, nice man been, congrats we've been building it for five years essentially and we turned ourselves into a 501c3 nonprofit in the beginning of covid uh probably not the best time to create a nonprofit, but we did and <laughs> it worked because i think we had already a, a brand and we had an idea of we had a very good idea of who we were um and then we just with the going to the nonprofit side it almost allowed us to expand our content line in terms mm -hmm. of what we did because prior to COVID, prior to us becoming a 501c3, we still do it today. It's our core mission, which is showcasing the heart of hunters. Like we do those mm -hmm. stories about hunters' hearts. And that's probably how a lot of people got to know us is telling stories of different people. But as we became a nonprofit, we, allowed, we sort of opened the door to different lines of content and different activism, education, advocacy type campaigns around benefits, impacts, consequences of hunting, uh, all around the world, we got into the conservation project game. So we we implement, you know, directly conservation projects all over the planet: New Zealand, South Africa, Spain, Wyoming, Arizona. Um, so yeah, it, it's 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 been a wild ride. And the board of Blood Origins, we obviously run by a board, six individuals, uh, very small board. And uh, we purposely are that small to keep us nimble and, and without bureaucracy, essentially. Yeah. And we went through the whole process last year. Not many people understand. If you're not in the nonprofit game, you wouldn't really understand it. But you have to go through for any sort of like salary determination. You have to do a, a thing with the IRS called the reasonableness determination, which is mm. you have to determine like how appropriate a, a salary will be for someone and so you have to like <laughs> look at all these different organizations by region by national by uh by genre of what you're doing as a non-profit you have to do this big analysis and then the board essentially voted on the reasonableness determination and and luckily offered me the job so <laughs> i would hope so <laughs> yeah here we go here we are so it's been a, a amazing you know since january i've essentially had one job for the last five years, I've had two jobs. Yeah. And now I've been able to really focus my efforts directly every single day, wake up, breathe, um, sort of live and breathe blood origins. Um, That's awesome, man. So yeah, it's a great, 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 uh, best job in the world. Yeah, man. That's, that's really cool that you were able to kind of, um, kind of design your dream life, you know, and I'm sure it took, like you said, lots of years of work and doing two things at once. I know that. And, um, and so, yeah, and so your other life, I guess you're a, you're a doctor, so I should have called you Dr. Yeah. Kroger. Yeah, um, PhD, yeah. <laughs> and I forgot, I was going to say, how's it, mate, when you joined, exactly. but I forgot to. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, you got your start um, doing um, wetlands ecology or biology, right? Yep, I have a PhD in wetland ecology. I'm a restoration ecologist by training, so nice. Um, certainly helps uh, from an acumen perspective in yeah. the blood origins game to sort of under i understand restoration ecology i understand wildlife management yeah and how that um, relates to like government entities and stuff yeah and I, I i grew up on the chesapeake bay so that's like okay. wetlands are like a part of my dna man like i yeah, grew up just in salt in marshes and... is the you know is number one issue in in chesapeake right and that's yeah. essentially what i worked on for six years not chesapeake but water quality issues nice um so yeah i understand politics i understand how things work in the real world um and I have, you know, I have a PhD, which helps in terms of, you know, people tend to listen a little bit, uh, I don't know, <laughs> well, or stronger, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it. If you, you know, that the fact that I have a doctor in front of my name, yeah, which I mean... certainly helps. Um, but yeah, that was my life. I was a consultant, essentially restoration ecologist, con a consultant. I was a professor in the wildlife fisheries department for a, a segment of my life. Um, I worked for the BP oil spill for a segment of my life. Mm. Um, and now the director of a, a nonprofit that's that's all the, all around the world, essentially conveying the truth about hunting. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Um, okay, so obviously I've done a little research about you know blood origins and you and stuff, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because there's a lot of yeah. podcasts where you kind of go into your background and what blood blood origins it, blood origins is, and essentially it boils down to a very simple thing. So, but for my listeners who don't know, let's if you give me just like a brief, you know, brief background of of sure. kind of just who you are and uh, what blood, blood oranges is, but from the ten thousand foot kind of view. Yeah. So, as an organization, our mission is to convey the truth about hunting. Uh, we do that through the social media, digital media world that we live in today. We create content, documentaries, talking heads, infographics. You name it, we are creating content that is simply educating hunters and the non-hunting majority, hopefully more the non-hunting majority, mm. about issues pertaining to hunting and changing the public perception around who hunters are. Um, so important. I, yeah, and I started it because I was, I've got two young boys and they want to get into hunting. I want them to get into hunting. I needed to communicate to them the why behind why we were doing it. I could, it, I could communicate the biological why from an ecosystem perspective, mm -hmm. but I couldn't really articulate to them like what my heart was saying because I'd never really been told why I hunted. I didn't grow up hunting with my father or my grandfather, though they both were very, very big hunters back in the day. They just stopped hunting in Mozambique and South Africa. And then I looked at outdoor television and Sportsman's Channel and all the other outlets that you consume outdoor content in. And I couldn't find anyone really communicating essentially why we hunted. And there was a reason, not that I'm, I'm not getting on to anybody for not doing it. It just wasn't something that was what was in the forefront of anyone's brain because mm -hmm. number one, it's not a very good business model mm -hmm. for the outdoor space especially if you're communicating uh, content to a hunter, to the hunting community, the hunting community really, it, I, I really doesn't have really an appreciation of why, what yeah. I was doing it for. Or they know already and they just want to watch hunts. 
No, they want to watch hunts. They want to get, you know, excited yeah. about some adventure. And that's absolutely cool. I get excited about it too. I like to watch that kind of stuff. But I was yeah. seeking something else. Sure. And I felt like if I was looking for it, there may be somebody else looking for it, number one. And then number two, if we could just communicate, like I was trying to communicate to my kids, if we could just communicate a different side of who we are, could we change perceptions? Could we change narratives away from, you know, you guys are just a, a bunch of bloodlusting redneck killers. Yeah. And I think we, and I, and I said, yeah, I think we can. And I, you know, we're proving that day in and day out right now in terms of changing perceptions. We, we get lots of people, you know, I'll just give you a perfect example that's happening right now. Um, Obviously, alligator season's about to come to a close. Some monster alligators have been taken in Mississippi and Florida. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of buzz in the anti-hunting community about that. And one of the there's two big uh, antagonists, really, that live in the social media space that I'm constantly grappling with, constantly wrestling. One is called The Real Tarzan. He's got like 6.5 million followers on Instagram. Calls himself a scientist. And he posted, literally, he posted a, a slew of pictures of big alligators. And his comment was, hit hit the like button if you dislike this. Send us a comment about how atrocious this is. So it's a full just engagement post, right? It's got nothing to do with anything. And yeah. so we went on there and, and communicated why people are hunting alligators. And that alligators is, did you know that alligators is probably the most uh, successful conservation story yeah. program in the United States. And it's only because of sustainable utilization through hunting, culling and farming. And you have to get these big bull alligators out of the frame. If you want to increase your population, because they don't allow younger females and males to create nests that are fertile. Hmm. And so it's just an education campaign and we get tagged into it. And there's nobody else, literally no other hunting non-profit organization living in that world yeah putting putting educational fact-based honest comments in place so for instance mm. one of the comments they came back was like well these guys are just doing it for fun there's no you know why would you do something for fun and my response to that is okay somebody some of these guys went out alligator hunting because it was fun Let's get past that motivation for a second. Yeah, so what? Just look at so what? I even think I said so what? Yeah. <laughs> if if alligators are prospering, if alligator populations are the highest they've ever been, yeah. You you've got a growing population that's sustainable for our kids and our grandkids to see one day. Isn't that what you want? Right. From yeah. an anti-hunting perspective, that's what we want from a hunting perspective. Mm-hmm. You just hate the fact that somebody went out and killed that alligator. Okay, so what? Yeah. We've passed it. Right. And it's, it's a complex a thing. Picture. It's not because I've, I've engaged with people before too. And first of all, I think it's so important that like you guys are like an actual like organization with that mission and goal. Because usually it's like individual hunters trying to like, you know, defend themselves. And especially as you start to get more and more kind of um, following or platform, you know, the antis kind of start commenting on your stuff. And I've just started a little bit to get some of that and um but it's such a complex thing it's not like and that's another reason why i think a lot of people don't do it on like a 
on a sportsman channel or whatever because it's a very complex thing it's not just like like for me like i don't hunt just to kill things but i'm not afraid to say that i like enjoy that part of the process too yeah i do it for fun i do it for sport i also do it for for meat i do it for adventure i do it for lots of reasons it's not just a this Mm -hmm. or that and Mm -hmm. i think they try to boil it down to Mm -hmm. you know good versus bad make it too simple i guess i don't know yeah and and look at the end of the day i'm not trying to change the real tarzan's you know outlook on hunting he's never going to change because he's making too much money posting stuff against hunting but i know that a hundred thousand people maybe looked at my comment Maybe 10,000 people read my comment um, and all also the follow-ups. So a couple of things happened. Number one, I planted a bunch of seeds in a bunch of people's brains that were like, hmm, this guy makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. Number two, oh, wow, this guy actually you know, knows his stuff and he's being respectful in a dialogue back yes. and forth. It's not yeah. denigrating into name-calling. Yeah. Because um, when you get I that comment. A little, I only yeah. denigrated when the guy said, somebody said to me, well, He's a scientist. Where does he ever say he's a scientist? I said, dude, you clearly have never read his bio, read his bio, and then you can apologize. Yeah. It's so easy to want to, like when you have one of those antis comment on your stuff, and like I said, sometimes they're just like freaks and they're, you just have to ignore it. Sometimes you get those people, I just had one the other day where you know, my initial reaction was, oh, geez, it's about to be a fight. But I'm just like, no, I'm going to speak very calmly and respectfully and kindly to this person and explain my reasons and how, mm-hmm. you know, it's a hundred times more ethical than the modern meat industry if you eat any animal products whatsoever and just et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not just for sport. Yeah, that's part of it. But that's, you know, I spent two days in the back end of my Alaska trip ensuring that my meat got home with me and it still tasted good. I didn't just leave it out in the field or, you know, whatever. So if you can, like you said, dialogue in a, in a healthy way and kind of be it respectfully, you can actually, you might not win them over, but it's not going to hurt. It's not gonna help anything by just cussing them out or something. Yeah. You've got to just think about the ramifications beyond the person you're engaging, you know, yeah. who's watching you. Cause you, it, it, it'll blow your mind for you to to understand and realize the people that are actually watching you. I've had people comment or DM me and I'm like, huh, you're watching. Okay. Okay. But they never, they never interact. They never hit the like button. They never comment. Yeah. They're just like subtle, but they watch like people in the hunting industry or people outside the hunting. Okay. Both. Yeah. Yeah. I was just on a podcast that are with a huge non hunting influencer. Yeah. 1.3 one? million on Instagram, 16.5 million on TikTok. Whoa, which which one? <laughs> if everyone needs us to stop and Google Candy Ken. Candy Ken. Okay. That it'll blow your mind and you'll be like, "Holy shit, Robbie, what the hell are you thinking?" Because <laughs> he's a he's a wild guy, dude. He's he wears pink and dresses and yeah. um doesn't give a flip. Right. about what people think about him but he is super intrigued about hunting wow i was like all right let's have a conversation about it yeah i feel like there is space obviously there's like your super woke people or whatever they're just gonna freak out anytime you mention hunting but like i do feel like 
and, and maybe Joe Rogan kind of paved the way for some of it, or I don't know. I feel like there is space in some people's minds, the the more logical, rational ones. You know, if you know how to defend hunting well and correctly, there is space that like some of them will actually kind of okay, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Oh no! 100%. So I'm so I'm proud of you, man. Good job going in there. You know, like we should be able to talk to these people about this stuff. Yeah, and I think again, uh, the part of the mission of Blood Origins is to convey the truth about hunting, and it's conveying it to the general hunting majority as well, so that the next time we have someone say something on your social media, you hunter, somebody says something on you, or see you, you know, you have the confidence. Number one, because mm-hmm. oftentimes people don't have the confidence to respond. Two, they have confidence because they know the data, they know the facts, and they know how to interact with that individual because they've watched us do it. And they're like, oh, if Robbie can do it, you know, we can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we can. And and if and I don't know how many times it happens now. They'll go in, they'll say what they have to say, and then they'll say, if you want any more information, go check out Blood Origins. Oh, and cool. so we just get, we get slapped in there uh, a lot. So, yeah. you know, we look at our social media feed is like, you know, you look at our engagement and interactions, we're constantly engaging 85% to 90% of accounts that don't follow us, which yeah. is exactly what we want constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's so good, man. We, I mean, we need, we need like more of this like consorted effort, you know, organized because they're organized and they, and, you know, oh, man. Yeah. And uh and we got to do it with love. It everything we're talking about reminds me so much of like sharing the gospel with people too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's so similar, you know? Like be be ready in season and out of season to give a uh, explanation for the hope that's inside of you, you know? Yeah, you got to have your elevator pitch ready. You know, you're mm-hmm. 2 minutes, you got 2 minutes in the elevator with someone and they're like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And you're like, "Oh, you're a hunter." Yeah. Happens to me all the time in airplanes a lot. Like, what do yeah, you do? Yeah. Oh, I run a non-profit that conveys the truth about hunting. And more often than not, the, the response that comes back to me is like, the positive side? <laughs> like, yeah. And sometimes it's either like someone who is a negative against it, but then there's others that are hunters saying the positive side. Like they yeah. think that you're actually an anti. Right. Um, so yeah, you've got to have that thing ready. And um, For sure. again, just the examples that we give from all around the world, you know, wildlife changes, people changes. Mm-hmm. life changes because of the impact of hunting it's difficult to argue with those kinds of examples it is so blood origins conveys the truth around hunting mm-hmm. what is your truth around hunting <laughs> <laughs> oh my truth um you know like I, if i was doing a blood origins on you what would you talk about yeah, it's funny. I did that, you know, the first episode, the first piece of content we ever released was my story. It was around a campfire in the middle of a, a Mississippi summer in a cow pasture at night because we had to simulate what Africa was like. <laughs> um, and I guess if I had to redo it today. Yeah, has it, it's very, got to have changed probably, right? Yeah, definitely has changed. It's a journey. Definitely has changed. Um so yeah, my why, my truth has has evolved more and more. Like nowadays, it would be more tied to that engagement side of things, like building relationships with people that may not have the same mindset 
or same background as you, cultural heritage that you have, um, and and allowing them to see this thing that you love so much and why you love it so much. Mm. Um, I think the I've answered this a little differently in different places, but it all comes down to, I guess, different hunts hit different whys and different truths for me. For sure. Yeah. Um, You know, the dove hunt that I took my kids on two weeks ago was just my two boys, myself and the dog. Yeah. And to me, you know, nobody was in camo. We had Pokemon, red Pokemon shirts and green (laughs) Crocs and, you know, the dog, everything was, you know, big big old mist on the grounds the dog was sopping wet completely sopping wet um but my oldest killed his first dove um awesome with his 410 um it wasn't flying it was shooting he shot it off the power line <laughs> yeah. um but you know i'm that's fine i used to yeah. shoot things sitting you know and um that's what how you learn and he For was sure. so excited about it and it was it was that was so cool for me you know and the littlest one shooting trying to shoot a dove out of a tree and we think he hit it we think we don't know if he hit it kind of thing but just then you know and then taking him to waffle house afterwards so that to that to me that why is i'm forging relationship memories and a bond with my boys that i never had the opportunity to have with my father um so changing things there then you know there's going all over the world and going to New Zealand and tar hunting in New Zealand and developing a relationship with, you know, a guy there that is the store, one of the stalwarts of hunter led conservation efforts in New Zealand and spending three days with him, getting to know him better, but then also just testing your metal against yeah. essentially middle earth type landscape. <laughs> you know, I'm going to sneeze. Hold on two seconds. That's no, okay. <laughs> No, I've heard crazy things about New Zealand, man. That's like on my bucket list. I've yeah, had friends that have know, like almost was, died there. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> he, you know, on the spotting scope, he looking at a tar and going, oh, that's where we're going. And I'm like, well, I, I, like, how do we get there? Like, yeah. He goes, we're going to go up this side of this mountain, then drop down over here, go up there, drop down, and then get over there. And I'm like, okay, they're still going to be there? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, they'll still be there. Four wow. and a half hours later... You know, two and a half thousand foot, three thousand foot of climbing was brutal. Wow. But it was almost like the test that you wanted, right? It was the yeah, adventure yeah. that you wanted. So that was the why for Were that. they still there? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was a great hunt. It was a great hunt. And then the the pack the pack out was because we were in such a spot then and we had to hike we had to go all the way to the top top ridge, then come back down around. Yeah. And it was like it was so steep that you were pulling yourself up by these grass tussocks and it almost was like every hundred hundred meters not even maybe a hundred feet 200 feet that i literally i just could not go any further my legs were on fire i don't know and i didn't have a heavy pack other guys in my group had much heavier packs than me yeah but i had 50 60 pounds maybe on my back six maybe 70 i don't know maybe heavier but it was the steepness yes. of it. And steepness matters. <laughs> holy Big smokes, time. man. And I, look, I live in Tennessee. There's no steepness oh, okay. here. Oh, I okay. thought you were in Mississippi. You moved, huh? Yeah, we moved last June. Okay. We moved to Memphis last June. Cool. Um, but there's no replicating that steepness here. So even mm-hmm. though you think you're in okay shape, 
Yeah. That was that going up and then going down. Down is the worst for me. It's just like stressful. Like you think you're going to die. I can deal oh, with like elev- six yeah. times. Oh, dude, Easy. going down is worse for me mentally. And was far. Like you could the, the you could see the hut the entire time, and it was a speck in the valley floor. <laughs> um, but it was brilliant. So that's sort of my truth there. My why there was all based around doing something I didn't think I'd ever do, mm. testing myself. But then also, you know, again, I think a big part of it is relationships and meeting people of of similar ethos similar similar authenticity learning about their stories and i think a lot of people in the hunting space really really like that part of it yeah. they really like the camaraderie part of it mm-hmm. the meeting new people doing new things you know becoming friends with people that you know within 24 hours 36 hours that you've never you know yeah. from a bar of soap before yeah isn't that weird i was talking to somebody just the other day about like getting off airplane meeting someone for the first time ever and then spending like nine days 24 7 with that person it's so wild mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and and you become you know obviously depends on the person but more often than not you become fast friends for life yeah yeah and it, you know you never knew that you needed someone like that in your life uh yet they they are cherished as a friend mm. um so yeah that's my truth it's you know it's it's not overly convoluted. It's it's not overly emotional. I get a little bit of spirituality out of it, not a tremendous amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because I just don't get to do it as much as I I used to and <laughs> would like to. Yeah. Um, but we're trying to figure out balance in in life right now. We're trying to figure out opportunities to hunt more, uh, especially with my kids now living in a part of the country that now hunting is a little bit more accessible to me. Um, I lived on the coast of Mississippi for nine years and that was good hunting was a good four hours away. So yeah. now we're in good hunting country again. Um, so yeah, I'm excited, excited yeah. for whitetail season to be able to shoot a deer in front of the kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, see if the kids are even interested in shooting a deer. Uh, I don't know. We're not going to push them. We're just going to take that first step and see what happens. Yeah. So you mentioned spirituality. Um, and that's kind of one of the themes of the podcast here. Um, you know, I see us as triune beings, spirit, soul, and body. And I feel like there's a lot of talk in the hunting space about mental toughness and physical fitness, not as much about the spirit. And I feel like a lot of guys neglect that. And then they get up on a hunt somewhere and they're like depressed and they're about to call it quits. They don't know why it's because they've been in the weight room and developing their mental toughness for two years, but they have no connection to God whatsoever. Um, and I, that connection has saved me literally and physically, literally, literally and figuratively a couple times. Um, so I don't know what's, uh, I believe having listened to a couple of your podcasts that you're a Christian, um, what's, yeah. yeah, What's the, um, role of faith in your life and how does that interplay with, uh, your hunting and blood origins and all that? Yeah. I'm certainly a believer, certainly am Christian, um, our family is part of, I would say, I don't know if you've been attuned to the whole great de-churching. Have you heard of that? No. Currently that's happening in the US. So if there's a book, a very good friend of mine, he's a pastor, a guy called Jim Davis, wrote a book called The Great Dechurching. Hmm. And if you just do some Googling, you'll figure out that like half the American population that used to attend 
church does not any longer. Yeah. And the pandemic so, probably had something to do with that. Yeah, it did. And um, <laughs> we were already going that way anyway, but the pandemic really plus a, helped. Plus, there's a bunch of online options now, right? You can go yeah. to you can you can attend a service through your living room. Yeah. Um, and just the model of church hasn't changed in so long. And like, even for me, of you know, I used to work full time at a church. I get it. It's it feels a little I don't know something doesn't feel quite there for people my age I don't know what it is exactly yeah I don't know what it is you know I'm a part of it right we don't go to church we don't attend church anymore um, doesn't mean that we're not Christians any longer um, we just weren't getting what we needed out of it and we just have never gone back um, but from a from a hunting adventure being in places um, there's certainly a there's something to be said about being in a place, being still, being quiet. And, you know, whether you're religious or not, whether you believe in a higher power or not, whether you believe in the creator or not, there's certainly something awe-inspiring in those moments. That you're sitting there looking, listening, you know, believing, um, And, you know, to me, that's me getting as close to the creator as I possibly can. Um, because there's very rarely in times today, especially, you know, in the digital media world that we live in and in the world that that Blood Origins lives in, that we are, I'm constantly engaged. Like, yeah. I do not have a free second. Like, you should see my phone when I wake up at 4.30 in the morning because I've got an underground network all around the world. And so if people are getting a hold of us, they're getting a hold of us through every single platform you can imagine, including text messages. Underground network for what? Just for things happening in the, like... the, the background, in the space. Um, the, you know, it's just like, you need people on the inside. I'll say that, that are, have their ears to the ground, ears to the network. Mm -hmm. Hey, did you see this? Hey, gotcha, gotcha. FYI, this is coming. Hey, you know, for instance, the Colorado mountain lion ban that's oh, yeah. coming, the ballot initiative that's 2024. You know, we were, we were in conversations with folks. We knew that was coming. We knew it was coming. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a, a terrible thing. It's not going to be terrible. It is a terrible thing, but we've got plans and we're going to push and we've got we've got opportunities to push back that we haven't ever had before. Yeah, um, okay. I got you. But yeah, the, to me, getting closer to the creator in times of such busyness and such noisiness mm -hmm. is well intended. And the only place I can do that really is when I go out hunting. For sure. Yeah, it's like everything in the world is designed to distract you from that still small voice, which is how God normally communicates. And yeah, and I, you know, I've started, yeah, and it's intentional. And I've also started listening more to that little voice in the back of my head. For I sure. didn't, I didn't typically pay attention to that voice. Yeah. Um, but I try to voice... even carve out time in my day to day life to listen. Like sometimes prayer isn't blah, 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 blah. Sometimes prayer is. Keep your mouth mm -hmm. shut and listening. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, yeah, it's certainly, you know, I know a lot of this happens to everyone. I've started intentionally um, doing it, which is, you know, when you somebody just comes across your brain, like somebody, yeah. right then and there, I'll send a text message. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, why did I think of that person? Like, why did that person just pop into my brain? Mm hmm. And who knows what comes from it? They maybe that you know. I've had many times like, oh man, thank you so much for reaching out. You don't know what's going on in my life, but I really appreciate you reaching out right now. Hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that, man. That's good. Um, and sorry, I got different ideas of where to take it, but um, no, 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 go ahead. So talking this is something I've been thinking about lately a lot is and you live in the world of engaging cuz most of the population there's like the you know the 10% who hunt there's the 10% who hate hunters will never be convinced either way and then there's the 80% which don't hunt but could probably be swayed either way depending on what right. they talk to. Right. And so you're you're living in the world of how do we talk 80%. to those? Yeah. How do we yeah. talk to those? How do we get them onto the to the truth about hunting? Um, yep. And and I think shows like Meat Eater have done a great job of amazing job. Yep. Of being able to, in a succinct way, show a different why, not sport. You know, you know, on top of sport, um, and also making a show that is palatable to non-hunters. Um, but also still pretty cool to watch if you are a hunter as well. It's pretty hard to do. Um, how, and then I've also seen certain companies in the space, um, linking up more and more with some companies that are traditionally like pretty anti mm -hmm. and making some creative decisions and hunt films that are, um, for just like you know intentionally not showing a kill shot or like n barely showing like the tips of antlers after the mm -hmm. kill shot or like mm -hmm. almost like diminishing that aspect and it's not like i'm obsessed with oh let's see all the, i don't want to see i don't need to see like blood you know whatever you, know, you got to be respectful of the animal of course and all that but <clears throat> i'm wondering how you feel about it i've been asking a lot of guests about this lately like is there a pendulum swing kind of going a little or could it be going a little bit too far in the direction of sanitizing it too much or being too scared to talk about not being say i you know i enjoy the killing part or whatever whatever it may be like even well, something inside think, of me kind of cringes anybody a little bit. enjoys the killing part i so do that's that's that you really do <laughs> yes the killing yes okay, so why don't the moment when i have that animal in my crosshair okay and i'm about to shoot it i mean i like that what i don't what, I don't understand so, how you wouldn't. So why don't you volunteer your services at the local abattoir then? At the what? At the local butcher that is slaughtering chickens and slaughtering beef and whatnot. Well, because it's it's if you like killing. Well, it's not still killing. I I have well okay I have actually slaughtered a lamb a sheep like it was laying there tied up and I did not like that okay so it's not yeah. I did it. And we ate it, and it was fine, but I I was not like happy to go cut this sheep's throat. So, so it's not in that... the moment in the moment when you say you're about to pull the trigger, mm -hmm. 
and you are happy about it. Yeah. I'm, are I guess you, it's are you more... happy because you're killing the animal, or are you happy because you've worked your ass off to get yourself in the position to be able to fulfill the purpose of the hunt? Right. It's more complex than just like I like killing the thing. Like but you like, said, I like killing. I do. That's part of it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm not like. Oh, I'm out here and I'm gonna harvest this animal, and I'm so sad when I see it. Like I'm not. Like I am there. To fill my tag, which you can say it, harvest, fill tag, whatever. You can also say to kill an animal. I'm just not afraid to say that I'm not, like, sad about it or whatever. I'm not, like, sadistic. I don't like torturing stuff. I didn't like cutting that sheep's throat. But I'm not going to sit here and say I don't like killing when I love to hunt because killing is a huge part of hunting. Well, no, killing is part of hunting right that's why there's the that's the difference right. between hunting and hiking okay exactly um i'm i'm purposely pushing here because i believe that the kill is a part of the process okay mm-hmm. it is one percent of the totally. entire activity and so when someone says i like killing it diminishes the 99 percent to that one percent okay so I also truly believe that everyone, you may not recognize it or not, but that thousandth of a second after you have decided to take that animal's life and you do and you execute it properly or badly, there is remorse in some shape or fashion. You may not recognize it. You may not see it. You may not, you know, some people cry, some people are like, oh man, did I really need to do that? Have that one question. Other people may may not even recognize it, may not even realize it. But I think if you walk up on that animal at one point in time, what makes us human is that there is a little bit of empathy tied in with everything that we do when it comes to taking the life of an animal. Because otherwise, it puts us in a completely different realm of individuals. Yeah. Again, I don't. I think there's a massive gradient in terms of the that that sadness. Maybe not remorse. Remorse probably is the wrong term. I'll say sadness. Um, acknowledgement of the taking of that life of killing yeah. that animal. I guess to me it would be more like respect. Respect. You could you could couch it as respect as well. But to me, there's something in that that gradient of whatever descriptor you want to call it that someone feels that for the last 20, 30, 40 years, we have been told that that that's not something that we should show as hunters. Mm. And then you've also got a gradient of hunters that go from someone who is super emotional in that moment, whether it's the trigger moment or walking up on the animal moment, to others that don't feel anything. And when I say don't feel anything, I feel like there's always something there, but they just, yeah. they, they will, they would not say that I felt anything. Yeah. I guess I just don't, I guess, completely understand the pushback on me saying, I know it sounds like I said, in this like culture and day and age and stuff, it probably sounds really crass to say like, I enjoy yeah. the kill, but I just feel so, like, 
I feel like we're getting to the point where hunters have to feel embarrassed to say that. But you said it yourself. Like, if we weren't there to kill, we would just be bird watchers, and we're not. And so mm-hmm. on some level, I would say all hunters enjoy killing on some level because they're doing it. Well, it's the enjoyment again comes down to the fulfillment of the action. The For action. sure. And like you said, and I totally yeah. agree with you that that is 1%. Like when I, you know, if I just enjoyed killing, you know, I'd be, like you said, I'd go to the butcher or I would sit Correct. in my backyard and, and shoot the deer that are in my backyard. But instead, I plan these huge adventures to Alaska, which, you know, 1%, like you said, or like probably 0.03% of that whole process is the kill. But yeah, and the is... enjoyment level of an Alaskan trip is is elevated because of the adventure that it is, not because the kill is any different. Right. Okay? And so you say, well, you know, I don't get the pushback on someone saying when you say, I like killing. The pushback is because today's day and age, perception is nine-tenths of reality. And you don't get a second chance in social media when a hunter says, gets on social like media killing. and says, I like killing. Right. Which is why I would, I'm very careful about the context in which I say that. And I know we're, this is part of a longer conversation. Like, I'm, I would never say, like, publicly, openly on, like, you know, so Instagram, I love killing. Like that's you just different. did on a on a public podcast. Yeah, well, people know me. I mean, they and we're, like I said, this is a longer conversation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. But I'm I don't think I don't think this we is sh- what I do. Right, and I I just I am pushing back too because I personally don't feel that within the proper context I should be afraid to say that I enjoy the killing part. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, again, the what I'll come back to is you have to have the proper context. 100%. In that in in any hunt for a hunt to be successful and here's, you know, someone will say a hunt, you know, a hunt can be successful in multiple different ways. You don't have to kill for a hunt to be successful. Mm-hmm. Mm, you probably do. Because the reason you're hunting is the goal is to take an animal, to kill an animal, harvest an animal, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And so that hunt is successful because you took that animal. Hunting, though, by definition, is catch catch and pursuit. Right. It's the pursuit. And it has failure built into it. Yes. That is why it's called hunting and not killing. Right. So the idea that in the moment that you're going when you take that animal's life you you enjoy the moment because it's the culmination of the purpose of why you're there mm-hmm. you're enjoying it because of the entire process yeah you're not just enjoying it because you enjoyed pulling the trigger and killing that animal that's true and but i there's also ways that. and there's also ways to <laughs> test that all right, there's ways to test that. So number one, we have statistics. Take the biggest demographic of hunters in the entire United States, which is whitetail hunters. And you look at license uh, demographics of those whitetail hunters and you ask them by survey, how many deer do you take a year? Or what's the percentage of that population that takes one deer a year on those licenses? The percentage is like 49%. Hmm. Okay. 
which which says that it can't be all about quote unquote killing. In Canada, it's thirty six percent. Oh, totally. It's to not. take a second deer in Canada, it's less than one percent. Yeah. So the data, the science says otherwise. Number oh, two, yeah. it's not about go the to killing. A I'm not making the argument it's about the killing. I'm just making the argument that, as you said, it's the culmination of the process, but it is part of the process, which I still enjoy. The second example I'll give is if you go to a place like Australia Mm -hmm. or New Zealand, where there are deer are, you know, non-native, invasive, need management, need culling, or go to a place in Texas that Mm -hmm. needs 100 does killed a year. I can guarantee you after killing your sixth doe of the day, you're done killing. You are like, I do not want to do this anymore. Right. Because that's not hunting. That's culling, killing, whatever. It's still out there in the moment doing what you're doing. Yeah, true. So anyway, it's all, it all comes down to context. Yeah. It all comes down to semantics. And... The, and being able to talk through with someone who says, all you guys are interested in doing is killing things. Right. 100%. And I think the answer to that question is no, that's not true. Right. Because what you just said, if that were the case, I would go work at a slaughterhouse or something. Yeah. whatever that's an extreme example but what, whatever yeah. but it isn't it isn't an extreme example because if, 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 if it was that that psychopath nature of i enjoy the bloodbath that comes from <laughs> killing right which is what they're hearing right yeah, when exactly, they hear yeah. someone say i enjoy killing then it's not yeah, and no, if totally. it was, then you'd get that kick somewhere else. You wouldn't. <laughs> and here's the last thing I'll say. Here's another example. You wouldn't. I don't know how much it costs you to go to Alaska to hunt what you hunted. It wouldn't cost you. You wouldn't spend $15,000 for the chance of killing something. If you truly in your heart believe that I like killing boy i don't follow you're saying you would not spend you would not if it invest... was, sorry so i'll 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 re- I, if it was truly all about me just enjoying the act of killing oh exactly right i would go to some high fence place where i could just sit there and just snipe stuff all day or like go shoot hogs out of a helicopter which i'm not saying you're wrong i'm just saying right it, the evidenced by the fact that like i said if i really only was motivated by killing. I would not fly all that way, like have to pack raft myself out of the mountains, like do all this stuff. It's obviously, it's about the journey. It's about the camaraderie. It's about the adventure. It's the outdoors. It's the challenge. It's the being in that place. And also the killing. Yeah. It's a, it's a, (laughs) it's no, it is. It's, it's a paradox. Mm -hmm. that we have to wrestle with because it's also it's almost it's the it's the climax of the the activity but it's also the anti-climax of the activity Mm -hmm. because it's the end it's it it's finished you don't get to hunt anymore it's it's what you fulfilled you know true so 
Yeah, it's, it's but then a, it's, also you get to you know take that meat home, enjoy it with your family. Um, yeah. There's there's a process after the kill as well. Hundred um, percent. So, I think we're on the same wavelength. It's just like I just said it probably in a very what's perceived by most people, especially in the world that you live in most of the time. A very harsh way of saying it. Yeah, and and words matter. True. Language matters in the right. social media world or oh totally like i said anything, if i was talking anything, to a right. if i was talking one of those 80 percenters in the middle or an anti i wouldn't say yeah I, I like killing but in certain contexts this being one i'm just not afraid to recognize that as a part of the process and i don't feel like i have to be shy about saying like i said context matters words matter in this context, I don't think I need to be shy about saying that. But in certain contexts, you have to absolutely not want to say that. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you on that for sure. But that was that was great um, <laughs> conversation. Oh, well, I think about this stuff all the time, man. And I have conversations with people all the time. And you know, I probably the the biggest criticism that we've received about Origins is that is that we are pandering. Mm to the non-hunting majority we're afraid to call it killing we are vilifying the idea of hunting and i'm like we're not we're just thinking a little deeper about it so that we can communicate it in a different way for sure to someone that doesn't understand and we need those voices we have plenty of debbie frank guys like me talking to hunters we need voices like yours that are a little bit more refined, maybe, than mine, obviously. <laughs> Better accent. Better <laughs> and, accent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to talk to dudes wearing dresses, because we need to get the message of hunting out to everybody, you know, and, and why we do it. And it is not just about killing. Because, like you said, it, it's not. It's So, I, but I it, applaud it, you. But it is the thing. That separates us from hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so it's it's you have to acknowledge it. Yes. You have to you have to you 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 know nail it hit it on the nail, you know, and then say okay, but let's step back and let's really think about it. Let's really talk about it. Let's really, you know, give you situational examples around it, and at the end of the day, you also have to be honest and say there are people out there, hunters that do truly enjoy killing as many things as they possibly can <laughs> and they do not enjoy the pro then then they're not there for the process yeah they're not there for the adventure mm-hmm. and that's okay to acknowledge too yeah. but that's like you know and that's unfortunately the 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 broad paintbrush that gets painted across all of the hunting community just like yeah Steroid use in baseball. Not all baseball players use steroids. Certain yeah. players do. Yeah. You know, not and everybody drink drives. Certain people do. It doesn't mean that everyone should stop driving. Yeah. And it goes back to your example, too. I mean, different hunts are different. I mean, it's it's a little bit different conversation if we're talking about one caribou in Alaska versus 15 dove. Because, <laughs> I mean... Oh, yeah. When you're, you're dove shooting, whole, like, yeah. that's the that is the fun of it is shooting doves. <laughs> like you can't make any excuse yeah. anyway. But and, and you bring in the whole like charism- 
charisma, charismaticness of certain species of animals, mm -hmm. especially in the predator realm, right? Mountain lions, bears, right. lions wolves. in Africa, wolves, yeah, elephants. Then, have you, then it just totally different. Have you done things. a podcast or talked to Cable Smith from Lone Star Outdoor Show at all? Yeah, way back in the day. Cable okay. and I connected on a couple of podcasts. Okay. I bet that was interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, man, this has been great. Um, one random, totally changing gears here, but I was thinking about the <clears throat> name Blood Origins and like something yeah. I feel like we've lost in our culture. And of course, I kind of cycle everything to a biblical worldview is like one of the main commandments God gave to his people that stuck with that, the church, even into the New Covenant and the New Testament is not to eat blood and that how the life is in the blood of a creature. And like, mm -hmm. that was very much a huge concept back then that like, now I feel like people kind of perceive like your life is in your brain or your heart or whatever. But like mm -hmm. to them, like blood was life and obviously has big significance as far as like, you know, uh, sacrifices in the old testament and then you know jesus's blood which is talked about a lot so i don't know did that did that concept play into your naming of your organization at all or what do you think no, about not that really a lot of, a lot of people like look at blood origins and they're like oh scary like you guys there's blood and killing and like we've just <laughs> been talking about spilling blood and i'm like no not really you know blood is blood is inherent to all you know living creatures human uh, mammals birds um and it's it what it to your point it's what makes us live okay right um but it's also what makes us up and when i say makes us up it, it's what created <clears throat> you it's what creates me it's it, it it has dna built in it that is makes you who you are and that DNA that's in your blood right now was made from a whole lineage of people back in the day that at one point or another intersected with probably a hunter, whether that was in your lineage or someone else's lineage that helped your lineage survive because of, of being oh, yeah. a hunter. And so the blood component of blood origins is simply who we are. Um, that mm. is that's what makes you that's what keeps you alive it's what keeps animals alive and the origins part is who you are is a makeup is made up of what's come before you yeah it's, it's the people before you the origins of who you are the grandfather the grandmother the great 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 aunt or great yeah. great great uncle that's that's what blood origins really sort of is formed around is this idea that there's an ancestry a tribalness uh an archaicness to who we are mm -hmm. it may not you may not recognize it in the in the modern day and age as we are so disconnected from it all but again take yourself put yourself in the bush put yourself in the woods for three four five days You'll find that origin. Find out who you are. Uh, you yeah. know, you'll find out who you are very, very quickly. For sure. And man. more than often, it's going to become that you are going to become a hunter. Yeah. To feed yourself and to you know take care of yourself and to sustain yourself. So that's really blood origins. Um, 
I've okay. had lots of conversations in my brain and in my mind of changing the name. Nah, that's good. I like it. But it's almost like it's who we are. It's our brand identity. Yeah. And it fits with, you know, when you, if you, again, take hunting at face value without any context, I get why people hate it. Take the, the name Blood Origins at face value and you can make up all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, dig a little deeper and you'll find the truth. Yeah. Interesting, man. Um, okay, other than the, quickly, other than the mountain lion thing right now happening in mm. Colorado, are there any other, like, big hot issues that hunters should know about right now and, and get involved with? Um, that you want to plug Obviously, the, legis- the legislature isn't in play right now, so that's when yeah. the big top topics typically gotcha. come up in the U.S. Um, we know something's going to happen in New Mexico probably around E-plus next year um it'll be interesting to see where else the mountain lion black bear issue pops up again new jersey seems to have reversed itself completely the governor has just put in place a commission and a a statement that is like they have reversed the bear hunting ban for the next five years essentially so bear hunting is back in in new jersey nice um victoria australia is a is a big battlefield right now for duck hunting in in australia in southern australia uh they just had man, an inquiry commission are, yeah they're tough man they they are very the, the greens the greens down in australia are strong yeah, and the reason man. they're strong is because of the government system in australia it's a it's a it's a it's not a one-party system like we have in the united states they build coalition governments down there so for instance labor had 35 seats they won 35 seats in the election they need 50 seats to have a majority to then push be able to do whatever they want yeah and so they they say oh greens you have 10 seats come on to our coalition oh, government yeah and then there's um politics that play oh we're going to give you this we're going to give you that yeah and duck hunting was one of the things that were one of the concessions Jeez. and you... uh, sorry Go ahead. I was like, do you think New Zealand will stay like the kind of hunting mecca it is for a while? Or do you think that's in jeopardy or Australia and New Zealand are always going to be hunting meccas um, just because of the abundant resource that is there and the variety of resource. But there's always going to be pushes. Like the other thing I was going to say, the third thing that I know is coming down the pipeline is there's a, an equivalent to humane society in New Zealand is a, is an organization called Forest and Bird. And I've seen a letter already that indicates that they are coming after deer management um, at the department level, Department of Environmental, at DEFRA. DEFRA is their, um, their um, environmental agency mm-hmm. federally. And DEFRA has a, a, a sort of collaborative relationship with the, with a, the game animal council which is called gac and they're coming after that relationship and then they're starting to point fingers at the lack of management of they call them feral deer species mm. and they point out that probably this shining star for deer management in southern hemisphere which is the fjordland wapiti foundation in which they manage for quantity they manage for biodiversity so they take out a bunch of deer every year quantity wise to ensure that they're hitting the government regulations to maintain to maximize biodiversity 
they're doing trap lines on the on the on the landscape in a phenomenal quantity to protect native birds and their native bird populations are going through the roof in terms of the data coming back and two they've managed for trophy quality and so they've they've created this value for people to come hunt this area to generate funding um with the, to help with trap lines and whatnots and it's just it's an absolutely amazing system that they've put in place that they've managed to put in place that they have they've arrested control away from the government to say we're going to manage this and it's a it's called a whoppity herd which is a, a blend between uh elk and a red stag mm. and those elk were gifted to new zealand back in 1905 by teddy roosevelt nice um anyway so that's coming down the pipeline too okay random teddy roosevelt story i was at this park recently here i live near washington dc and like they had in the park like little office thing i took my kids to the bathroom in there they had like this huge set of elk antlers and when i picked them up i was like yeah what's the story behind these like they're like oh yeah the smithsonian gave us those those were killed by theodore roosevelt and i was like what yeah they're just like and then there was a moose in there too he also shot i was like wow that's cool but um anyway um well cool man this has been a great conversation um there's one um no that was it anyway where can people find you if they want to hear more about what you got going on and support what you got going on yeah just go bloodorigins.org uh we have multiple avenues by which you can engage us there if you want to become a supporter of blood origins uh for the cost of a cup of coffee a month Currently, the entry level is three bucks a month. Uh, we're going to slow. We're going to get that up to five bucks probably here in the next couple of months. Um, but super simple, easy way. Support us to do what we do every single day on a monthly basis. And if you're not just going to do it out the goodness of your heart, um, you also get entered into monthly giveaways um, that you can win all sorts of stuff. I don't know when this podcast will drop, but if um, in the month of September. We had we gave away a VTM bow from Hoyt. Nice. We gave a long range shooting school with outdoor solutions to grand eight hundred dollars worth of gear from First Light, an Olin scope phone system for three hundred well, bucks. Um so much other stuff yeah. on on the on on a giveaway every month. If you give us three bucks a month, you get entered into thousands of dollars worth of prizes Sweet. every single month. Yeah, like I said, I think um I think organizations like yours are extremely important we need we need guys like you having these conversations and engaging the antis or engaging the you know the middle ground so keep up the good work man appreciate what you do thank you my man yeah and um guys if you're listening go check out blood origins i i highly recommend you guys joining um it's a small way you can help give back to what we love so thanks again man cheers mate 